Hey folks, this is Pastor Larry Cole with Torchbearers, and I appreciate you tuning in, downloading, sharing, linking, liking, um, whatever you do, I appreciate it. Uh, we are talking about the seven spirits of God. This is uh, session number two, and just from session number one, I had a lot of feedback that a lot of people are excited about this teaching and that they were really touched by the first one. So I wanna encourage you, if you haven't listened to the first one, please go back, uh, listen to it, because the Lord is specifically showing me a progression in this teaching. So anything that we miss, we're gonna find ourselves ill-equipped, unfurnished, and not ready to move on. So uh, let's jump right into it. So we're talking about the seven spirits of God. If this is a strange term to you, uh, you can easily find this in Revelation chapter 1 uh, through 5. Um, Jesus is standing in the midst of the seven lampstands. Um, in chapter 5, he's introduced as the lamb who appears to have been slain, yet he is standing, and he has seven horns and seven eyes. And the scripture says, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. So there is one Holy Spirit, but there are seven characteristics of the Holy Spirit. So the Bible encourages us to have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And we're going to talk some about that today, to have fellowship with him. That word in the Greek for fellowship is koinonia. And that word, cloud, he's not a glory. He is a person. He has a mind. He has emotions. He has a will our hearts. He wants to rest upon us. He wants to be poured out of us. He wants us to reach forth our hands to heal the sick, and it's His hand that touches them and heals them. So there's just so much that He wants to do, and He wants to do it with us. He loves us. That is His primary purpose, is to bring the love of the Father to all of God's people. So I'm just really excited to jump into this. So in the first session, the I was asking the Lord, I said, Lord, a few years ago, I taught on the seven spirits of God. And he said, but it didn't take root. And I looked back and he was right. It was just like another teaching that we chalked up. Um, not many people came to me saying, oh, I, I learned so much or I've gained so much uh, fellowship with the Holy Spirit and whatnot. It was just like another teaching that we just passed by and went on our way, uh, which is so typical in so much of the church. So I told the Lord, I don't want to do this unless it takes root, unless it sinks in, unless it's got a foundation and it begins to build something and change something. So in, in seeking the Lord for about two weeks, the Lord began to show me that the way that we approach Jesus, he, he's going to show me the steps of how we can begin to understand and interact and fellowship with the seven spirits of God. So he said, first, I want you to approach Jesus as the lamb. He said, there's got to be a cleansing. So I was immediately taken back to the Old Testament when the priesthood had to go through their rituals to eventually get into the holy place and into the holy of holies. There first had, had to be a cleansing. They had to separate themselves, consecrate themselves. They had to wash themselves. They even had to shave. Um, they weren't even allowed to have hair that would fall off of them uh, while they were in the presence of the Lord. 
And in the same manner, spiritually, the Lord wants us cleansed. So when we come to Jesus, if you want to walk with the fullness of the seven spirits of God, I, I, I really encourage you, go through these steps. Number one, check out Jesus as the Lamb. He was the Lamb before the foundation of the world. He was the Lamb when He was born in a manger. He was the lamb when he was crucified on the cross. He was the lamb that walked out of the grave three days later. He was the lamb that ascended to the Father. And in the book of Revelation, we see that he is now still the lamb that is about to take the scroll out of the Father's hand. He is the lamb. He was the lamb and he always will be the lamb. We've got to know him as the lamb. And what does this have to do with cleansing? Because the lamb was the sacrifice. <coughs> it was the shedding of blood that cleansed us from unrighteousness and that brings us near to the throne of God. And if, if we are able to come to the throne of God, if we truly believe this, then this means we have access to the throne of God, to the things in the throne room of God, one of which is the seven lampstands, which is the seven spirits of God. So we got to approach Jesus first as a lamb, which will result in our cleansing. Second, he said, I want you to see Jesus as the shepherd. And I said, wow, the, the shepherd. Okay, so how does that relate? He said, because my sheep hear my voice. He was quoting Jesus out of John chapter 10. Jesus said, my sheep, those sheep that belong to me, they recognize my voice and they will not listen to another. In fact, when they hear the voice of another calling for them, they run to me. So he said, my people have got to know my voice. So this was number two. Number one was the lamb, which brings cleansing. Number two was the shepherd, which brings his voice. So what I'm going to talk about today is how to recognize um, the voice of God, how to hear the voice of God. Because if, if I'm trying to have a, a successful, healthy marriage with my wife, if I can't hear what she's saying, then we're not going to have a healthy marriage. I'll have to learn sign language. So imagine if you don't know sign language and, and you know, you, you can't write down what you're saying. Imagine trying to communicate with someone and, and have a relationship with them and yet you don't hear their voice. This is so much of what's plaguing the church. So let me give you an example of what I think is hindering the church from hearing the voice of God. Back in the Old Testament, we see where God delivered the Israelites out of Egypt. We know the story about the ten plagues, the Red Sea parting, and eventually they come to Mount Sinai. When they get there, they gather around, and God tells Moses, tell all the Israelites to uh, consecrate themselves, cleanse themselves, sanctify themselves, and get ready because I'm about to show up and show off. So... The order was, let nobody touch the mountain, everybody gather around. So here we are, millions of Israelites gather around Mount Sinai, and suddenly God shows up. And how did he show up then? He showed up with thunders. He showed up in lightnings. He showed up with trumpet blasts. He showed up in a way that shook the mountain. There were earthquakes, there were great winds, lightnings and thunders and, and blasts of the trumpet. And there was so much that came with God's presence that these millions of Israelites took off running for their life, scared to death. 
what God was trying to show them was how awesome he was. As a result, they were so afraid that they came back and told Moses, I tell you what, you listen to what God says and let us know what he says and we'll, we'll just do what you say because we think that if, if we're going to hear the voice of God, we're going to die. All right, so now relate that to today. In order to be in a position to regularly hear the voice of God, we have to die. We have to take up our cross. We have to lay on the altar and lay our lives down. We have to surrender our thoughts, our emotions, and our will. We have to have a death that takes place in us because we have this carnal nature. We have this soulish nature. And the carnal and the soulish cannot communicate with God. God is a spirit. And if we're going to talk with him, we have to talk with him in the spirit. We are a spirit. If we are born again, there is a spirit within us. And this is the number one part of us. And this is the number one way that God communicates. So what I see in the church today is a lot of people saying, I'm afraid that if I want to hear the voice of God and fellowship with him, if I want to be in that place where I can regularly have conversations with the Lord, I'm going to have to die. And so what I would rather do is someone else pay the price and let me know what God is saying. So people get up every morning and the first thing they do is run to the internet and look at the latest prophetic words as if they're horoscopes and they're letting these prophetic words guide their lives. When most of these prophetic words, number one, I'm not even sure if they're prophetic words. Number two, they may have just been meant for the person that heard it. Number three, just because God gives a word to a nation in Europe doesn't mean that it applies to America. So God is working all over the earth. Yes, there is one body, the church throughout the earth, but God is, is speaking specifically. And here's the thing, God is not going to have a mediator on the earth between me and himself. The mediators already come, it's Jesus. And what I need to do is connect with Jesus myself, die to self, and, and make a way for God to communicate with me so that we can have that personal relationship. So, here we go. Before we can work with the seven spirits of God, before we can fellowship with Him, we have to hear His voice. So, I want to give you nine steps to help you hear the voice of God, alright? Number one, humble yourself to Him. It's all about posture. Humble yourselves to the Lord Jesus. We know what Jesus did. We know that he's been exalted. We know that he is God. And so is the Father. But also, so is the Holy Spirit. And we have to posture ourselves recognizing his awesomeness, his greatness, his authority, his power. We have to humble ourselves to him. It's all about posture. If you're having trouble getting in the presence of the Lord, ask yourself, have I humbled myself to him? Or am I even coming in his presence based on my success, my so-called success of being in his presence yesterday? I have to humble myself to him every day. 1 Peter 5, 5 says, be clothed with humility. Why? Because God resists the proud 
but he gives grace to the humble. So clothe yourself in this humility because if God sees that you're clothed in that humility, you are now a magnet for his grace. What is his grace? It's a new heart. And I've got to have a new heart to hear what God is saying today. So in order for us to work with the Holy Spirit, we have to um, hear his voice. We have to have fellowship with him. And it begins by humbling myself to him. Number two, I've got to get in his presence. Acts 7, 31 and 32 says, when Moses saw the burning bush, he was amazed at the sight. Acts 7, 31 and 32. He was amazed when he saw this burning bush. And as he drew near to look at it, there came the voice of the Lord saying, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Moses trembled and did not dare to look. But here's the key. Moses drew near. The Bible says, draw near unto God and he will draw near unto you. You've got to learn how to press in. You've got to learn how to get beyond the things that are occupying your mind, that are, are, are directing your attention away from the Lord and, and unto yourself and your circumstances. You've got to learn how to get in his presence. The fear of the Lord is what came upon uh, Moses and the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom the scripture says and wisdom isn't just great experiential knowledge wisdom is the Holy Spirit himself go back and read the book of Proverbs the fear of the Lord is an invitation to hear his voice when God showed up on Mount Sinai it was an invitation for all the Israelites to stand in awe of him. Well, why would God show up in such a way that would cause the fear of him to come upon these people? Because here's the deal. I'm about to take you across the Jordan and there are multiple armies, 12, 13, 14 different nations, and they each have armies and they know how to fight. You people have been slaves in Egypt. You've been shepherds. You've been farmers. You don't know how to be warriors. You better know that I am with you and you better know that I am powerful. I am strong. I am awesome. I am mighty. I am going before you. So when God shows up in a way that would make us tremble with fear and the fear of the Lord is not just reverence for him. Moses was shaking in his boots and we can read all through scripture when people would have an encounter with the Lord. Sometimes they even fell in front of him like a dead man and God would have to touch them to raise them up. We're talking about the fear of the Lord, the fear of a mighty and awesome God, the God that created the universe. If I have that fear based on that revelation of who he is, then I can know what he does. He's the one that died for me. So look at, look at this, this two-edged identity of God. Number one, he's awesome. The mountains melt before him. The seas tremble. Rivers stop flowing because of him. The Red Sea parted as his presence showed up. Just this awesome God. And yet he became flesh. He humbled himself. And he became like us and he died for us. So number one, I need to know his awesomeness in such a way that I tremble in fear. So that when I'm facing my enemy, I then know not only is he awesome, powerful and mighty, but he loves me. He died for me. So this is the two-edged identity of God that helps us know 
that my God can kick any demon's butt. He can help me overcome any obstacle. And He loves me. He longs to show Himself strong on behalf of those who love Him. So get in His presence, whatever it takes. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes, we can begin to hear His voice. So number one, humble yourself to Him. Number two, get in His presence. Number three, receive His love. Listen, everything that God says to you is through love. I promise you, God has never in your life, I don't care if you're 110 years old, during your life, God has never spoken a word to you apart from His love. Every word He says comes through His love. Listen to this, Song of Solomon, chapter 5, verse 2. I'm asleep, but my heart is awake. It is awakened by the voice of my beloved. I hear Him knocking, and I hear His voice. Open to me, my sister, my love, my dove, my undefiled. For my head is filled with dew and my locks with the drops of the night. So this is a picture of the bride and the bridegroom. This is a picture of of the bride being awakened in the night by the love that she feels for him. And then next thing she hears is a knock at the door. And she hears his voice coming through the door. Open up to me. Let me come into you. I want to be with you. So the third step to hearing the voice of God, receive his love. Friend, I'm telling you, I'm amazed at how many people struggle with some of these things. You've got to seek it like your life depends upon it. In fact, I'm going to say this. If you, don't, if you don't learn how to hear the voice of God, you are in great danger of perishing spiritually, of drying up, of withering away of just blowing away in the wind. Yes, you, you might still be saved, but man, God wants so much more for us than just to get us into heaven. We are here on the earth. We are the only human beings apart from heaven that have the ability to glorify His name. He wants to use you to reveal His glory on the earth. How can we do that if we're not hearing His voice? So receive His love. Number four, know that He is Lord. Make Him Lord. Yes, He is your Savior. He died for you. He saved you. Yes, He is the bridegroom. Yes, He loves you. He's coming back for a church. But we've got to know Him as Lord. Lord. That means that He is above us. He is in charge. And we are obeying His voice. The Lord must possess us. The Lord must possess us. In my mind, I have to know Him as Lord. In my heart, I have to know Him as Lord, not just gentle Savior, not just bridegroom, but as Lord and King. The Lord must possess our entire being in this identity. Luke 16, 13 says, No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one, separate himself from it, and love the other, or else he will hold to the one, refusing to let go and despise the other. You cannot serve God and worldly treasures. So I really want to point this out. There is idolatry rampant in the church. 
so much of the church is no different with the, than the world. We are setting up idols within our lives, within our homes, within our congregations. What is an idol? It is anything that we put before him or above him. He has to be Lord. He has to be first. He has to be exalted and lifted up and sanctified. Hallowed be thy name. I sanctify you, Lord. I lift you up above everything else on this earth. He has to be Lord. Number five, to hear the voice of God. Walk in obedience. Romans 6, 16 says, Don't you know? that to whom you yield yourself servants to obey, those servants you are to whom you obey. Whoever you obey, you are their servants. If you serve sin, guess what? You're a slave to sin. You're its servant. And that results in death. Or are you a servant of obedience? Do you serve? Do you throw yourself at obedience? Do you long to obey him at any cost? If so, this leads to righteousness. So walk in obedience. Acts chapter 5 verse 32. I love this. And we are his witnesses of these things. And so also is the Holy Ghost, the witness, whom God has given. What has God given? The Holy Spirit to them that obey him. So obedience is so necessary. If you want to hear the voice of God, start walking in obedience. Make yourself... See, one reason we have to receive his love is because his love keeps our hearts soft and tender and it helps us to be sensitive to his voice and his desires, which then empowers us to be obedient unto him. Number six get in the secret place. Now, I'm not just talking about getting in the presence of God. I'm talking about get in the depths of his presence. So often people worship and they get just a little taste of the crumbs off the floor of the Lord. And they're, and they're so satisfied. And, and I'm not saying don't be thankful for those crumbs. But so often what I see the Lord doing is he gives us crumbs to see if we will be satisfied or if we will let it generate a hunger in us for more. If it generates a hunger, you're going to start seeking for the plate that those crumbs fell off of. You're going to start seeking for the hands that set that plate before you. You're going to enter into the deeper depths of the presence of God. So get in the secret place. Hebrews chapter 6 Verse 19 and 20 says, We have a hope. We have this hope and it is an anchor for our soul. It is sure and steadfast. It is not moving. And this anchor enters into that within the veil. So it's this hope that we have that allows us to get into the veil. And then it talks about there's a forerunner. There is a man, Christ Jesus, that has gone before us. He ran his race and he's gone before us. He has entered in for us. Why did Jesus enter into the Holy of Holies? It says right here, for us. It was Jesus. And he did this because he was made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So Jesus walked in this. 
He has gone before us into the deepest places of heaven. And anywhere Jesus has gone, he has given us authority to go. We've just got to line up with him and, and be chosen to go there. Next is uh, Hebrews 10, 19 and 22. Having therefore brethren, what are brethren? That means we're the body of Christ. This is for all Christians. This is for all Christians. Stop letting the devil convince you contrary. Having therefore boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, the deepest secret places of God. It takes boldness to know that I can get in there. I have to trust in the blood of Jesus. Friend, I'm, I'm telling you, these things are so key and so necessary. You've got to build your trust in the blood of Jesus. There are things that are going to come on the earth be before the return of Jesus that will require us to depend on his blood. Nothing else will save us. You can quote scriptures. You can pray prayers. Man, I've, I've seen it. I've heard of it. I've heard of people being confronted by power so much more than them. And all they could do was thank the Father for the blood of Jesus. I've seen it um, in sessions where we've delivered people from demonic oppression and possession. We can pray all day and, and we can command and, and all this stuff and they just sit there and look at you. But as soon as you mention the blood of Jesus, demons start to tremble because they know that the blood that gives access to the church the presence of our Father, the deepest presence, that same blood is crying out for judgment against the demons of hell, against the darkness, against the evil and the wickedness. Demons hate the blood and they tremble just at the mention of it. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. This is a new and living way. This way is new. Nobody had gone there before, and it's alive. The path that God has for you is alive by the blood of Jesus. And he has consecrated it for us. He specifically set this holy living path for us. And that path leads us to the veil and through the veil. That is to say, his flesh. Verse 21, And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So get in the secret place. Your priest is Jesus. There is no man on this earth that is the mediator between you and God. It's Jesus and Jesus only. Let him sprinkle you with the blood like the, the priest did with the Levites in the Old Testament. And this will take away your guilty conscience, your regrets. What are regrets? Re is to continue, to repeat. And when we have regrets, it means that we're looking back on the things that we wish we would have done. Let him wash you of these things with that blood and with the pure water. This will help you hear the voice of God, I'm telling you. All right, number seven, your mind has to be a blank slate. 
So many people go after God and they've already made up their mind. This is what I want to hear him say. This is what I want him to talk to me about. I've got this issue and I'm praying about it and I need a word from the Lord. I need to hear from the Lord. Your mind has to be a blank slate. What does that mean? Do not come into the presence of God with preconceived ideas of what you want him to tell you or even the subject that you want him to talk about. I I can easily think right now there's three things pressing on me that I need to get into the presence of God. Lord, I need to know your will. I need to know what you're going to do. I need to know how I can help you accomplish it. And then God will speak to me something totally different. Here's the thing. We know in part, therefore we ask in part, we prophesy in part, we seek in part, but God knows the fullness. Usually the things that I'm wondering about, praying about, wanting to get a word about, it's just the fruit on the tree, but God knows the root and he knows what is defiling the roots and this is where God works he works in the hidden places beneath the surface the root and he changes things this is why God works in times and seasons and there are times he he comes in suddenlies but usually he comes in seasons so don't have any preconceived ideas of what you're going to discuss with him it's not about what I want to hear it's about what he has to say And man, all through the New Testament, uh, especially the Gospels and then the book of Revelation, you hear the term, if you have ears to hear, ears to hear, ears to hear. It's not about what I want to hear. As soon as I make up my mind, God, this is what I want you to tell me about. I have now walked out of humility. I have walked out of recognizing that he is Lord. I have now walked out of obedience. And I'm not going to hear the voice of God. So your mind has to be a blank slate. Number eight, fill your heart with his love. I know we already talked about receiving his love, but I'm telling you, just receive it. Everything God says to you is out of his heart of love for you. And you say, well, man, I've tried this and I've just been through so much. I have such a hard time. Here's the deal. I don't want you to do anything. All right. If you... If you have trouble receiving the love of God, here's your remedy, all right? Here's your prescription. I just want you to worship Him. Whatever it takes, your favorite music, a quiet place, a drive, whatever you have to do, worship Him, worship Him, worship Him until you break through into His presence. Worship Him violently. Worship Him with desperation. Worship Him as if your life depends upon it. Worship Him as if you're on the edge of hell and you need God to come and rescue you. This will push you through the veil into His presence. Then you can start receiving His love. You have got to have a heart filled with love or you cannot hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and then last and I want to take just a few minutes on this this is where most people trip up wait upon the Lord now there's a pattern for us to wait upon the Lord and I'm going to try to hurry up and go through this the pattern is this 2 Corinthians 13 14 it's the last verse in 2 Corinthians And it appears to just be Paul signing off, 
But here's what he says. The grace of Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and fellowship with the Holy Spirit be with you all. The Holy Spirit told Paul to write that. So how do we get to the point of fellowship, koinonia, with the Holy Spirit? Number one, I need the grace of Jesus. Humble yourself and worship Jesus until he gives you his grace. What is his grace? It's a new heart. I asked the Lord one time, I said, Lord, when does this heart get old? When do I need a new heart? And he, and he quoted the verse, my mercy is new every morning. So yesterday's grace was for yesterday. Uh, today's manna is for today. And what is the manna? It's Jesus himself. It's his grace. It's his heart. Worship him until you get in his presence and you feel like your heart has been renewed. And then worship him with that new heart. That new heart will take your worship to a new level. And then once you have worshiped him there, go to the Father. You've now got that new heart, that grace, which is the key to the throne room. Now go to your father, give him thanksgiving, give him praise, adore him, lavish him with the oil of your adoration and your love. And when the father receives you into his presence, he's going to see, hey, this guy's got this new heart. He's got this this grace of my son. I can tell he's been to my son. This is how he got here. And man, when God the Father sees that empty heart, he can't resist but fill it with his love. And this, man, is where you're connecting with the Lord. Now, in that love, worship him. And then here it comes. The next step, stop. Wait. Turn the music off, turn the phone off, and listen. Your father is about to speak to you. He's about to tell you secrets of the heart. He's about to tell you things that are are hidden beneath the surface. He's about to give you words of life. Wait upon the Lord. How long do I wait? What does it matter? As long as you can. So friend, this isn't something you can do 20 minutes before you run out the door to go to work. This is something in the middle of the night, three, four o'clock in the morning when everybody else is asleep. This is where God speaks to his prophets. Well, I'm not a prophet. How do you know? He's called all of us to prophesy to hear what he's saying and declare it. Friend, you need a word from God. Go get it. Don't call me. Go get it. Wait upon the Lord. Get the grace of Jesus. Get the love of the Father. And then wait upon the Lord. And then the last step after you've done all this, the rest of the day, fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Bring him into your world. Ask him things throughout the day. Because you've got the grace of Jesus and the love of the Father, you're now sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit, to his leading. You're now sensitive to what he thinks. Like So you might stop and talk to somebody and they'll share something with you and, and you go on your way. Listen to what the Holy Spirit's saying. He's going to tell you, hey, next time you meet someone, 
with circumstances like them, tell them this. Or here's what I wanted you to share with them. Learn from him. He's our teacher. He's our counselor. He's our guide. He's the Holy Spirit of God. He is our shepherd. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. That word Lord is Yehovah. That's the Hebrew word for the Holy Spirit. Yes, I know it's it's um, Ruach. Um, I can't remember what it is. Anyhow, it's Yehovah. Whenever you see in the New Testament, they, they quote something from the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. They're referring to Yehovah, Jehovah. It is the Holy Spirit. He is your, your shepherd. So friend, listen to this. Get in his presence. Listen to his voice. He longs for you to hear his voice. He is gentle and he is meek. His yoke is easy. I feel led to share this one last thing. The the world has its own tempo and rhythm and God's is totally different. God's not in a hurry. He's not anxious. He wants you to get in his rhythm and rest there, to be with him, to love him, to know him. He wants it more than you do. You think you want it a lot, and you think there's a lot that's keeping it from happening. Man, if you'll just go through these steps, don't worry about what's been keeping you away from God. Just go through these steps and watch God come to you. He will come to you. He will come to you. I love you, friend. May the voice of the Lord speak life to you this day in Jesus' name. Amen.